Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. That was pretty loud. I actually thought that it wouldn't be too loud this morning because uh, half of us are sick, I would say. And so uh, good morning to you who are hopefully watching this video later in the week. Uh, You are missed. And so, yeah, a lot of people have a cold, have COVID, um, have some other illness going on. And so um, we need to be praying for them. Um, also, if you, see, if you don't see somebody here this morning, feel free to reach out to them. Just let them know that, that they were missed. Give them a hard time. Just make it seem like they just they didn't want to be here. Not even that they were sick, but just give them a hard time. Like, don't ditch, church. Don't ditch. And so, <clears throat> I'm feeling uh, pretty good. I have gout in my right foot, uh, hence the limp. Um, but other than that, um, pretty well. Last week, I was also limping um, as I was here at church, but uh, that is because I I woke up in the middle of the night last Saturday, middle of the night, uh, early hours of the the night, morning, and one of the worst ways that somebody can wake up. I believe this to be true. I I was awoken by a charley horse in my calf. Yes, okay, yes, you've had one. So it it is horrible. It, It is so painful. And so it had been a while since I've had one. I used to get them all the time when I played hockey. All the time. So used to them. And so um, I, knew, I knew exactly what to do when you get a charley horse and your calf in the middle of the night. You do the most counterintuitive thing that you would want to do in that moment. Instead of straightening out your leg, which is painful... You want to let that spasm go. You want to let that muscle come up. What your whole entire body is fighting, you want to let it do that. And so you're actually supposed to bend your leg into the pain, let that muscle, let let that ball come up. And once it does, surprisingly, it gives up, right? It's no longer a fight. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm good. And so it actually ends a lot sooner. Right, And so um, I know that. And, and not only does it go away uh, sooner, I believe that it feels better afterwards than having fight it for 10, 15 minutes in pain. And so again, as this happened, I remembered what to do. I knew exactly what to do, and I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Like in theory, I knew, but my flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. My mind knew every step, but my body was like, no, we are not doing that. No, that does not sound good. And so I fought it for a long time. Um, And because I knew what to do and I didn't do it, I received no relief, right? No blessing. Nothing good came out of that. And so I mentioned that this morning, church, so that we can understand to know better is not to do better. To know better is not as good as doing better. And I believe this goes for the Christian faith as well. Where I I think we we lie to ourselves sometimes. I do this myself where we think the Christian faith is about knowing better. It's about knowing stuff. I love knowing stuff. 
But it's not about accumulation and acquisition, right, in the Christian faith. It's actually, it's okay to know less as long as you apply it, right? The whole point is application of what you know, not just to try to know more than, than anybody else. The goal of the Christian life is application of your knowledge in a way that makes you more like Jesus, right? Being obedient to what Scripture says. Our lives will not be judged by what we know. Our lives will be judged by what we did with what we know. Our text today is going to be James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. So three verses this morning. It's going to be a little uh, shorter of a sermon compared to most of my other ones. Um, but, but don't be confused. Don't think because it's shorter, it's any less important. I think the concept this morning is very simple. But we still need to listen to it. We still need to leave here believing and understanding what that is this morning. And so our sermon title today is Disciples Hear and Reflect the Word of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many people who want to be here this morning um, with their Bibles open into James. So many people who want to sing your praises this morning and lead us in, in your praises and and they're just not feeling good, Lord. It's just a season, as you know, in Bakersfield, everybody's sick or getting sick or is, is having some, some physical ailments, Lord. And so we just bring them before you and we ask for their healing, Lord, that, that you would get them well soon, um, that this time would be used wisely, Lord, that those here um, who are in contact with them would not get sick and that we could all come back and have a lunch together uh, next week, Lord, to your glory. Lord, this week, Lord, may your Holy Spirit uh, convict us of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to look into your word, Lord, what it means to obey you, and help us, um, really most of all this morning, Lord, to not be deceived by what it means to be a believer or a follower of Jesus, Lord. And I ask these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So the main idea, the main point James is trying to make this morning, guys, is don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And so when we leave today, that's what I want us to remember. Don't be deceived. The first place we're going to look is verse 22. And this is going to be our memory verse this week. So last week we started, we're going to start memorizing verses Verse 22, James 1.22 is going to be our second verse, and it says this. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How many of you already had that verse memorized? Yeah, I figured. It, it, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty popular verse and a critical, critical verse. And so remember, James's audience are those who already say they believe. And, and so, as we look at this this morning, these are people who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is normally great. It's normally a great thing, but James has been around long enough. We don't know how long he's been pastoring this group, but he's caught on to something. Some of them, their actions don't match what they say. There are those who hear, right? And maybe they love to hear. I mean, maybe there's these people love hearing a good sermon, love experiencing a good worship. But he's looking into their lives, and he's like, well, something doesn't 
Something doesn't match up. Something doesn't add up to, to, to how much they hear and how much they're absorbing. It does, I, I just don't see their lives being changed. And so James, you know, he, he's just so subtle about all this. He just, he says, well, they're being deceived. Worse, they are deceiving themselves. Guys, you are deceiving yourselves about what you believe. And so this morning, we're going to see two different types of people, right? There's only two options in our text today. You're, you're one kind of person or the other. And we're not talking about an unbeliever and a believer, but we're talking about two people who believe, but one that James says, says they believe, certainly hears a lot, they're a good studier, and someone who actually does, does what the word instructs. And those would be disciples. And so it's interesting that James is pointing out the difference of believers saying one of them is really a disciple and one of them is just, they're just showing up. And so this disciple is the one who does what scripture says, right? The disciple reads scripture, reads what Jesus says, what Jesus says about following Jesus, right? That, that's as easy as it gets. Listen to Jesus, follow Jesus, you're a disciple. Disciple just means being a follower, uh, very simply, and James, is, again, James isn't concerned with them. This, this whole point of his argument isn't encouraging and patting on the back the ones who are doing well. Right? He's a shepherd. He's looking at some sheep who aren't doing well. He's concerned for this believer who is showing up, hearing, reads faithfully, and is not impacted. He's speaking to those, again, who can maybe communicate the gospel. Awesome who can wax intellectual on theological doctrines. Man, they just know their stuff. But if you hadn't had that conversation with them and you just looked at your life, you wouldn't know that they believe this stuff. And th this is important. If you believe that you can be a Christian by listening to the words of Christ and not obeying them, you don't understand Christianity. You are deceived. Don't be deceived. And so my belief this morning is that a lot of us understand this. Like, I'm not trying to convince you guys. I believe you guys understand this already, right? This concept. But my guess is that as obedient as we are, there's some area in our life that we could think of, some area, some compartment of our life where our 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 faith hasn't, our obedience to our faith hasn't penetrated something for some reason. Where there's some aspect of our faith where we are not being faithful, where we know what to do and we are not doing it. And there could be many reasons for that. And so this morning, maybe you feel a little convicted or a lot convicted. Great. That's what I want. The worst possible thing is to hear a convicting sermon like the way James writes and not have something about you be convicted. I would rather have you be uncomfortable, a little awkward, have you chew on some stuff, wrestle with some stuff here, than be so uh, um, self-righteously numb that you can hear it, like one of the people we're going to read about today, who hears it, hears it intensely, is, is looking, examining it, and they still, they're like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, this doesn't apply to me. And so I would rather much have you be uncomfortable this morning. 
if it means being a doer of the word. <clears throat> we can't deceive ourselves. True hearing of the word is followed by obedience of doing the word. And so in the next three verses, James gives this amazing illustration. This amazing illustration of what this means. And so the rest of our time, we are going to be looking at the mirror of the word. The mirror of the word. And so we read this in verses 23 through 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, well, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and he goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so, what do mirrors have to do with Christianity? Right? Is this really about how Christians are supposed to use mirrors? Right? So, what exactly is going on here? Well, in this context, that we've already seen, what does the context say? This is about hearing the word and doing the word, which means the mirror here is the word of God. The mirror here is the word of God. So the context isn't beauty or vanity. It is about being obedient and living out the Christian life in a way that reflects, like a mirror, right, what Scripture says. I think it's quite interesting and an impactful illustration but generally speaking, what's the point of a mirror? What's the point of a mirror? To look at ourselves, right? To, to look to make sure, do I look like what I want to look like? That, that, that is the point, right, of, of this mirror. Again, one of, the, one of the beauties of a mirror and the reason we use it is because the mirror doesn't lie to us. Right, the mirror, you, you can't hide from the mirror. The mirror doesn't lie to you. <coughs> it shows you your physical flaws. And likewise, the word of God shows you, shows us our spiritual flaws. The point of the mirror is that it highlights the necessary adjustments that we have to make. We know what we're supposed to look like, and so the mirror is going to tell us if we look like that, quite honestly. And so to even know which one of the... the the two people you are in this text, well, you have to be in the mirror, right? You have to be standing in front of a mirror to understand which one of these people that you are, are, are more like. And so last week, uh, we talked about uh, memorizing scripture to implant the word in us. Remember, we want to implant the word, have, have it find its place in us. And I believe the reason that James goes here is he's telling you how to implant it. Well, how do you implant the word? What does that mean? How do I get the world inside of me? Or the word inside of me, sorry. You come to Scripture like it's a mirror. That's how you implant it. Look at your reflection in it as you read Scripture. Is this me? Which person am I? What is God saying to me and about me? When you read Scripture like that, when you peer into it to make adjustments to what you were supposed to look like as, as outlined by Scripture... <clears throat> and just as owning a physical mirror doesn't help you, 
if you don't look at it, right? Um, or me, you just avoid them. Having the word of God does you no good. You can have the most awesome Bible in the church. If you don't look at it, there is no benefit to you from that word. Now, this past week, my wife had a great idea. Yeah, she did. Another one. Uh, and so what she did this week for us is she wrote uh, James 1.21 on the mirror in our bathroom. So at first I was like, okay, that's cool. Because I pass it all the time. I see it, so it helps us memorize it. But there's this other interesting dynamic to writing it on the mirror, which I hadn't thought about before coming through this scripture. And so as, as I'm reading this verse in the mirror, as we read it in the mirror, we are coming face to face with ourself, right? And so, which is exactly what this text says. And so, as we read scripture, I have to look at myself and assess, is this what I look like? Like, I'm memorizing this verse, okay, but after, when I look past that verse into myself, am I reflecting this verse? And so by writing it on the mirror, and I encourage you to do that if you're able to do that, it helps us to ask a question. And really the question, it, it depends on what the verse is, but you can look at that verse and ask like, is this what I look like? Is this the way I think? Is this what I do? And so it's really awkward. You can't run away when you're reading a verse looking at yourself. I think that's the whole point of this text, and I think that's a practical way to do it. Just don't use permanent marker. <coughs> and so we don't buy mirrors to run by them. That's pointless. And so when we come to the mirror of the word, let us not run by it and run the risk of being a hearer only and not a doer. We don't want to be a hearer only. And so let's look at the hearer in verses 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets, forgets what, he, what he looked like. <clears throat> So this guy, well, it starts off really good. So he, it says he looks intently. He's doing, he's kind of doing something. He's looking, he's examining scripture. I mean, that, that's what that text says. That's what those words mean. He is showing up. He is, he is looking. And then it says it sees, he sees his natural face. And I think there's a clue right there. Now, there's many ways. I think there's many meanings that are supposed to be there at the same time, that, that he's seeing his natural face. What he's not seeing is the face of God. He's looking at the words of God and seeing what? His natural face. Well, there's two ways you could think about that. There's a sense that we are natural. We could see our natural face, and our natural, <clears throat> our natural face, the way we think about ourselves, if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, the natural way we think about ourselves is that we're fine. Right? We don't think about that, but we think that we're good. We think that we're good enough. And so he sees his natural face. Oh, okay. 
But what he doesn't see, what we realize, is he doesn't see his true natural face, which is that he's a sinner, right? That, that God is trying to communicate with him. And so he's not seeing his natural need for Jesus. Well, how do we know that? Because he walks away and forgets. He encounters the living word of God and walks away just like nothing, like nothing happened. Or maybe even worse, maybe this guy is convicted. Maybe he is at some point. He does realize, oh, I need to make an adjustment to my spiritual appearance. But he walks away and he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. And so the scary part is, this person has a devotional life. That's what it says, right? It's good. It's intense. Like, it is probably better than ours. Sadly, he has a worse result, right? He has a worse result than us. That's because his gaze into the mirror is superficial. And therefore, what, what he gets out of it is superficial. It does nothing. There's no intellectual, spiritual engagement with this. He just encounters it and walks away from it, but still thinks he's part of the faith, which James says what? He's deceiving himself. Don't be deceived. Stop it, guys. And so what is the issue here? Like, what could be one of these issues? Is, is it an issue of discipline? Is it an issue of desire? See, I think this person's disciplined. This person is disciplined. They, they do the work. What I think is that there's no desire. There's no desire to take from all that work and the discipline to implant it in his heart. Right? He doesn't truly care. This person doesn't care enough. There's not enough passion or desire to actually have it implant inside of him. Why do I think that? Because I believe that we can commit to memory things that we care about most. We can commit to memory the things that we care about, especially the things we care about most. And I say this as somebody, my mind is a cesspool. It's a warehouse of useless knowledge. I know so much nothing. I, I want to forget. I, I know uh, so much about music, film, books, uh, hockey. I mean, you name it. Oh, man, I just remember. I remember entire, back when we used to have cassette tapes, and, and you can open up all the lyrics, I would sit there and memorize entire albums of lyrics. I wish I could forget those lyrics. I can't. If, if, if some hair glam metal mid-80s, you know, song comes on, I know every word. I don't want to. I want to be like this guy. I want to walk away and forget. But I don't and I won't. Why? Because when I was learning those lyrics, I loved it. I was passionate about it. It was not hard. I didn't have to trick myself into memorizing those lyrics. I cared they became a part of me, and I can't separate myself from them. Do we feel the same way about Scripture? Or 
maybe this past week, like me, I mean, I know I love God. I know I love Scripture. But was it a little difficult memorizing that verse this week? Hopefully you guys were better about it than me. And I was having some app issues trying to figure out how to operate it. But it still comes down to, do we value Scripture? Do we value it? Do we value it like the psalmist in Psalm 19, verses 9 and 10? The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Here we go. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Is that the way we feel about Scripture? I don't know about you, but that's the heart I want. Right? That, that's what I want. I want to treasure the Word. I want it to, to hold it up as a mirror. I never want to forget. I want to live my life always being aware of what I look like, especially if not only in the mirror of Scripture. That's my goal. Be aware of what I look like to God. Be aware of, of what's important to God. Instead, what do we do? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what happens to me sometimes. Maybe you read. You listen to a sermon, podcast, read a good blog. Um, maybe you have great devotional time. Like you have some sweet time. You got like a worship song going, maybe a scented candle. I mean, you are convicted, you're inspired. I mean, you just have perfect devotion time. You've looked into the mirror. You have assessed. But then what happens? We turn on the TV. We pick up our phone. And we forget what we just saw in the mirror. I know for me, sometimes it's difficult to transition. I, I, I think we are, we are so able to quickly transition into being entertained pop up in our phone, whatever it is, quickly be entertained. But if we're being honest with ourselves, when it comes to spiritual stuff, it takes this whole transition, this whole shift of mindset, finding the right spots, you know, <clears throat> whatever it looks like, the right music, just to get into this, this, this ideal setting so that you could look into the mirror. And so it takes a lot of work. But we have to because we have to assess. If our tie isn't straight or if our makeup isn't what we want it to be, what do we do? We fix it, right? I mean, that's how we have mirrors. I don't look like I know I should look or how I want to look. I will make an adjustment. It is foolish to look into the mirror of the word, show and see God telling us that we do not look like he wants us to look and to not fix it, to not make that adjustment. Likewise, it is foolish for, it, for reading Scripture, and it says, do this thing, and we don't do it. Well, then what are we? If we don't do it, we're not doers, so we're just hearers only. Hear, hearing isn't bad. Hearing anything, preaching, reading your word isn't bad, but... Hearers only is what James is talking about. 
The issue isn't what you're hearing. The issue is you don't do anything about it. And they are deceived. Even worse, the worst part about this is James is saying, like, you are deceiving yourselves. Like, that's the worst. Right? A couple of verses ago, James says, don't blame God. Don't blame God for your stuff. Blame you. You know better. You're not doing it. Stop blaming everybody, least of all God. You know what the mirror says. You know what to change. And you're just walking away and acting like you didn't just see what you saw. And you're deceiving yourself. Now the beauty of the mirror of the word is that it shows us the beauty of Jesus Christ. It shows us the expectation. It shows us also our worth to Jesus and what he's done for us. It shows us what God wants us to look like and the instructions on how to get there. It is the most glorious mirror. It has everything inside of it required to look and be like the image of perfection. Right? And so it, it is the ultimate mirror. And the person who does this, well, the person who does is a doer. They're a doer. So let's look at the doer in verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so verse, verse 25, if, you know, we weren't clear already that the mirror is the word of God, I mean, James just makes it clear. This is, guys, of course, this is, the, this, is, this is the perfect law. This is God communicating with. This is God showing us his character and his love and his awesomeness, telling us how he wants us to live, telling us this is the mirror. This is the expectation that I'm going to judge you by. This is my desire for you. And then also, well, five minutes later, when we fail that, praise God that it's not just like the perfect law, but it's also the law of liberty, right? And so we have liberty from the consequences of our sin, right, that Jesus has paid for, right? He already died for our sin. We have liberty from having to sin, right? Romans 6, one of my favorite chapters. We don't have to sin, like liberty from that. And we see how both those things work together in Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law, Jesus speaking, or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so our liberty in Jesus Christ is based on his faithfulness to the law. Right? Our liberty comes from Jesus' perfect living of that perfect law. And so we have, you know, we have the benefits of believing in Jesus and having that liberty by belief in Jesus, which Jesus says, well, you only know if you believe if you're what? Obedient. Right? If you're a doer, right? it all circles back. If there's no action, you really have to question yourself. We talked about this twice in the Gospel of John, John 15, 14. Jesus speaking, you are my friends if you do what I command you. John 14, 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And so the benefits and the blessings of following Jesus is by belief in Jesus, having faith in him. A faith that what? A faith that works, right? A faith that does. That is faith. 
not a faith that forgets. Not a faith that forgets. But we will forget. Church, we will forget. Our heart is prone to wander. We will forget. If we don't keep coming back to the mirror to see what we look like, we will forget what we look like. We will forget the awe of the gospel. We will forget how necessary and beautiful Jesus is if we don't keep coming back to this mirror. We will forget. We will be deceived. We will go so far just thinking we know that we are a Christian. But we have to come to Scripture because that tells us if we are. That tells us what we look like. We must always come back to looking to the gospel. Now in verse 25, the Greek word here, perikipsos, it means looking into. Looking into. And so what's interesting about this word, just I also love Greek words. They're just fun to look at and say. Uh, but what's interesting also, not just fun, is that it's only used three times. The other two times are within a couple of verses in John chapter 20, where this verse is used for Peter and Mary as they look into the empty tomb. They look into the empty tomb. They look intently in to see what is in there, to assess what is happening, like what just happened. And I think that's important because as we come to the word, to the mirror of the word, we need to assess as well. We need to, like really, let's be honest, guys, we need to humbly assess what does the mirror of the word honestly say I look like right now. When we come to the word, we, we must assess, well, what does my life look like? What, what about my mortality? See, I think when we look into the word, we all have to at some point come to the gospel, of which one of the parts is looking into the empty tomb. We have to come to that point where we realize that it should have been me in that tomb, that it should have been us in that tomb. We have to keep coming back to that because we will forget. We will forget who we are and we will forget who saved us. And we can't forget. We can't forget not only who saved us, but what he, but what he asked us to do. He asks us to be doers, not just hearers of the word. And so when it comes to our spiritual health, to do better or to know better is not to do better, right? It doesn't matter what you know. It matters what you do. We have the same principle in physical health, don't we? You can read about how dangerous what you're doing is all the health risks, all the, the problems that you can have from, from doing something, you could do research and figure out exactly what to do, how to get healthy, what to eat, how to sleep, all these things, how to move. But if you don't do them, you're not going to get healthy, right? I mean, it's a pretty easy principle that we see in all of life. Whereas if you do, if you do get healthy, you lose weight, you gain energy, you gain focus, all, the, all these positive things. Um, you spend more time in front of the mirror, right? And so Christian, Christian faith that works, Christian faith that works, works. It does. 
I want you to remember that. Christian faith that works, works. It does. Action cannot be separated from knowledge. Now, one of my favorite pastors and theologians, who I know some of you, I was glad to hear read also, R. Kent Hughes, uh, he says this. I think this sums it up. Truth acted on brings more truth. But failure to respond to truth will ultimately result in the loss of truth. There is a world of difference between reading a menu and eating a meal. Don't be deceived that because you did one, you did the other. And so in conclusion today, looking into the mirror of the word is a cycle. It's a cycle of awe and obedience, awe, right? Knowledge and awe and repentance. It's just a cycle. You come to it. You make adjustments. You come back to it. You make adjustments. And you might not see anything physically, but honestly, I do see a lot of physical results by people who get spiritually healthy. Maybe you've seen that before. But the point of coming to the Word is that we change our spiritual appearance, that we don't deceive ourselves, that we see who we really are and make the necessary adjustments. Hearing is not enough. Knowing is not enough. Believing is not enough. We must come to Scripture to see not only what it says, but come to Scripture and look at it and see what it shows. What does it show about us? What does Scripture show us about us? And when Scripture reveals to us, and it will, what we honestly look like, how we respond will tell us one of, we are one of two people. Somebody who hears and just hears, they're hearers only, or somebody who does, a doer, a disciple, a disciple and follower of Jesus. Church, do not be deceived. Let me pray for us. God, you are awesome. I thank you for this church. <clears throat> I thank you for giving us a heart for your word. A heart to not only look into your word, Lord, but to let it transform us. As I hear many people throughout the week reach out to me or I hear them talking to other people about your word that we learned about. And I know it's having an impact, that it's being implanted. Lord, let us look into the mirror of your holy word and truly assess who we are before you and to humbly come to Jesus knowing that that's what it says first and foremost, that we need Jesus. We aren't pretty enough or righteous enough or good enough or anything else. Jesus is. Help us to come to Jesus in faith and then to come to the word and slowly through this process of sanctification, Lord, start to look more like Jesus. Father God, please don't let any of us be deceived. If we're deceiving ourselves this morning, convict us. Do not, Lord, let us be deceived. Give us the liberty of your gospel in Christ, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.